Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to Buffalo check all the internet's facts. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and we are wearing the same shirt today. We did not coordinate this ahead of time. It is just to show that we are on the same vibe as always. We are completely simpatico and in line with each other. We are one. I feel like you're in me right now. I, I mean, that's kind of a loaded statement, Matt, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of Ryan in all of us, but there's a lot of it in me right now. <laughs> I think what this ultimately shows is how little diversity our show actually has on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are two white men with facial hair wearing a white checkered plaid flannel in the in the at the end of July. <laughs> oh, why are you wearing a flannel, Matt? Because I have very important and personal reasons. My reason was I was scrambling at the last second to find a clean shirt. And this is what it was. <laughs> you knew I was going to be late to the recording session, Matt. Why were you scrambling? Uh, because I woke up late, man. I it's Saturday. <laughs> I like I was too busy eating kicks and watching cartoons. Fair enough. We're, we've been trying this thing where we record a little bit earlier in the morning. So that way we have more of our day ahead of us when we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I'm still usually this time I'm still awake from the night before. So. <laughs> This is almost a continuation of one of my previous problems. I am wearing a fla- a flannel shirt because the fabric is soft and the sleeves oh. are long. And you might think, but Ryan, it's summer. Why do you have long sleeves? And the answer is last week I did a bunch of gardening. And this week I have a nasty rash on both of my arms from presumably poison sumac. This is like the second time you're showing me your rash on this podcast. Holy shit. Dude, should you go see a doctor right now? We can pause. We can just do this later. Like, <laughs> Well, if there's one thing that I've learned over the course of this pandemic, it's that doctors lie and they don't know what they're talking about. That's only Dr. Fauci. All right, I'm getting a look at the other one here. I'm going to describe it to our viewers. It looks it is red. It is bumpy. It looks like something they would show you in health class and try to avoid in school. And you got some on your chest. I feel like did you like roll around in this shit? I, I mean, I was out there doing yard work, pulling weeds for about six hours. And well, you're from Maine. You were doing yard work. I was doing yard work. Yeah. And the other reason I chose the flannel is the comfort that comes from home. Flannel is the garment of my people. It is the fabric of the region, I feel. Yeah, like. yeah. So like when I when I worked at the museum, they'd always have events and they'd always describe the events as formal or traditional wear. So I would go to all those events in jeans and a flannel because that's the garb of my people. That's lumberjack casual. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's lumberjack formal. When you when oh, you yeah you, right. button it, you button it up and make sure the sleeves like you don't roll your sleeves up. You you roll them back down. Yeah. So right yeah. now you're lumberjack casual. Yeah, I, I'm actually one button short of lumberjack formal. OK, OK. Well, that's just a fashion tip for the listener out there. And for me, quite frankly, if you're looking for fashion from somebody who has been outside of the target generation for what constitutes cool in style fashion. And yes, <laughs> take advice from us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do not have a fashion bone in my body. Yeah. 
What's funny is that we've gotten to a point where there, there really aren't that many new fashions coming out. I feel like we've calcified. Well, I think baggy jeans are starting to come back, which I just like fucking well, that, hate. That, that's just that's the point, though. What, I, yeah, what I'm saying yeah. is like nothing has changed. We all the fashion that you will see moving forward. Call this a prediction. I'm calling the shot, pointing to the stands. I'm going to knock this one out of the park. The Babe Ruth of fashion. I'm the Babe Ruth of fashion. I'm a real babe. When it comes to fashion. <laughs> you are, man. Yeah, you are, babe. You, you look good with the mustache. Thank you. You look like a strong man from like the 1920s. Like you can lift like barbells and stuff. I, I'm going for uh, a Tiki Magnum P.I. or Magnum okay. P.I. Tiki. OK, but, yeah. But my, my, my theory here is that all of the fashion that will exist moving forward has taken place has already since, existed. has taken place since the 1970s. They're just recycling the same ideas over and over again. So when we were in uh, when we were in high school, like Jinko super jeans. Yeah, Jinko jeans, super baggy jeans. And then uh, in the early 2000s, you had boot cut jeans. So it got tight at the thigh and loose. at yeah. the. Those are basically just low key bell bottoms. That's like me. Tight, tight at the thigh and a little looser the lower you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got into skinny jeans. And now the, the young folks are like, no, baggy mom jeans are where it's at. And they're right. And then the reason why this happens is because teenagers grow up and they see the way their parents dress and they're like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And they do the opposite, ironically, going back to what their parents were wearing in high school. feel like uh, this is like a circle of life with clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a circle of fast fashion. Yeah. So I actually had a uh, so this is a picture of a tweet that I found online and a screenshot, if you will. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're hip to tech talk like that. Yeah. A screenshot. <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I don't mean to brag, but I know how to use the snip tool. <laughs> oh, I barely know how to use that. I feel like every time oh, I use technology now, the older I get, the more boomer I feel like. But let's get into this tweet. Let's get into the tweet. All right. So this is from somebody who calls themselves Alicia. I think that's the number 18 crossed out demon goddess of lust. <laughs> Who goes by the Twitter handle at flail morpho underscore. There's a lot going on there. This is at flail morpho who identifies as Alicia cross out the number 18 demon goddess of lust. Is that yeah, sometimes like, like that not 18? I don't Maybe she's a minor. I have no idea. But demon goddess of lust sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, especially if they're not 18. Yeah. But I mean, lots of people are lusty and not 18 because they're older than 18 and that's OK. Maybe that's what it is. But what does the tweet say? I, I almost forgot what we were doing here. Uh, the tweet says <laughs> the tweet says Southerners saying sweet Jesus implies the existence of umami Jesus, spicy Jesus, sour Jesus, bitter Jesus and salty Jesus. Uh, well, first thing I'm looking at the, the screenshot of the tweet right now. I think she misspelled existence here. Is existence? Yeah, well, but I'm, I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. I feel like I, now I'm the asshole pointing out grammatical and spelling errors. Well, this isn't an am I the asshole segment, so you can be an asshole, completely unidentified, incognito. Oh, just, good. Yeah, you, I'm, you can, I look like an asshole wearing a flannel in July. You can exist in a state of occlusion, just like sweet Jesus, umami Jesus, spicy Jesus, sour Jesus and bitter Jesus. Which, uh, you know, um, what would be the tastiest Jesus? I guess like, I have a sweet tooth, so I like to think of just a lemon chest pie Jesus. Like kind of one of those things where you see like Jesus in like a uh, like toasted bread. I feel like there's got to be a sweet dessert made by like Paula Dean, where like someone was like, oh, my God, I baked Jesus. Baked Jesus sounds like the fun one. Oh, my gosh. It's like baked Alaska. Sweet baked Alaskan Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So what I love about this is, yes, it does imply the existence of those, but it also implies like 
none of these flavors on their own. I guess I guess sweet Jesus on its own is pretty good. I like salty Jesus, too. I think um, salty Jesus and bitter Jesus, that that has to be the Jesus they worship in the South. I just feel like <laughs> having, having grown up in the South. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be respectful here, but this is also a funny tweet. It's also it's kind of like a, a pattern of a meme I've seen before, like a, a similar tweet was the existence of casual sex implies the existence of competitive sex, which is kind well, of funny, but so it's kind of a similar formula here. Competitive sex or formal sex. Yeah. Yeah. And formal sex definitely does exist when you go back and when you go back in time to like the marriage of royals, when they would actually they oh, bring yeah. the court in to observe the consummation or prima nocte, if you will. I yeah. feel like that's formal. You know, you're using your title to to get laid, so that's definitely formal. Yeah, it's a it's a legal act. I feel like um, if you're exchanging cash, if you're sex if you're sex workers, that is a uh, that's a that's a, that's formal. It's a it's a it's it's a it's a professional transaction. I feel like you can show up to the brothel on a Friday wearing a Hawaiian shirt. That's casual Friday. Maybe one of those skinny lasso ties or something like that. <laughs> you know? um, no, yeah. So I think this is funny. Um, what would be the Jesus that you would if you were at a restaurant and you saw a menu? I mean, I would get a Jesus flight. What's the Jesus du jour? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Everyone, um, this is getting kind of gross real quick, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think the one that would probably appeal to me the most. Gosh, probably umami Jesus. That's what I was going to guess for you, because I think you're a, you're definitely a more of a savory guy than a sweets guy. The moment in the Bible in which all of these Jesuses go from being a unified front to operating their own centra, uh, their own separate religions is probably okay. the Sermon on the Mount. Um, OK, how do you season those fish and loaves? Whoa. Well, I mean, so I guess that's a good question. That also implies the existence of unlimited seasoning, which, you know, I mean, I, I, what season? I mean, you, you would probably know this. What, what season? What seasonings do they use in the Middle East? Uh, circa uh, Jesus. Around oh, he was gosh. Back in Roman times, they would season things with gorum, which was an, which was just a locally produced Mediterranean fish oil. So that would that, that would definitely be umami Jesus and funky Jesus. I'd be like funky cheeses. This is like a blue, blue cheeses would be kind of good, like a little <laughs> funk. That was that was a previous episode when we got into cheese. Um, no, yeah. So I think you know it's definitely funny. Uh, spicy Jesus. Uh, you know I I enjoy spicy food. Um, that guy really pops uh, off. Uh, Elise, my girlfriend has. Have I, have I told you this? She has uh, just ch- an insane tolerance for 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 heat. Yeah, we we've actually had this conversation before at a Mexican restaurant because we were discussing our tolerance for heat. Well, that's the true dangers of marijuana. Forgetting about the conversations you had. <laughs> the reason that she has a high tolerance for heat is because she has a medical condition called a geographic tongue. Yeah, I don't really want to get into the medical stuff of my girlfriend a whole lot. But yeah, she she has she is able to tolerate an insane amount of heat. And I am not. And I like spicy food, but it just it, it can get out of hand really quick. We were at a restaurant, actually, not that long, a, a few nights ago, and she got a cocktail with a ghost chili tincture. And I took a, the teeniest, tiniest sip of it and the back of my throat was burning for like five minutes. So <laughs> that just kind of gives you a sense of who wears the pants in the spicy relationship. You know, who wears the hot pants? Who wears the hot pants? Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. Who wears the Jinko jeans, right? Yeah. The answer is Matt wears the hot pants in their relationship. And if he says he doesn't want to wear them, Elise will have something to say about that. Yeah, she'll have. Yeah, I was going to say we'll have words. No, yeah, she uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's a nice person. No, this uh, this this Jesus thing is funny. I guess um, 
sour Jesus is the one that I'm like, I mean, is it like Sour Patch Jesus? Is it like candy? Like, I'd be into that because I do have a sweet tooth. You know? what, I lo- what I love about this is I like to think of a church schism in which you have like a sweet Catholic church, an umami Catholic church, a spicy Catholic church, a sour Catholic church, a bitter Catholic church, and a salty Catholic church. What does communion look like? I think at the Sweet Jesus Catholic Church, maybe it's like little macarons. Ooh, these are gluten free too. Yeah, gluten free Jesus. I think uh, that's interesting. Uh, I guess so. For salty, I mean, you got to go with a saltine, right? It's got to be uh, a saltine. Yeah, absolutely. For for bitter, it's got to be maybe maybe some like bitter melon. You know, the, it's, it's it's like a chopped ingredient you see every now and then. That stuff is wild. If you haven't had bitter melon, go out buy don't. one. If you, if you haven't had it, don't buy it. <laughs> Go out, buy one, chop off a little piece, eat that little piece, throw the rest away. Bitter is not a flavor that I seek out often. When it when it shows up, uh, I'll kind of tolerate it, but I'm not I'm not someone who's like, oh, I need I need this sweet sweet bitter. I joke about throwing away your bitter melons. There are ways to cook them in which the bitterness is cooked out. So please don't don't get on me. Yes, I understand. Not that, that anyone is. else knows how to do that, but it's possible. <laughs> it, 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 I, I read it on the internet. God damn it! And then uh, yeah. instead of wine, I think you drink like an amaro or something. Oh, okay. Or um, so. Sour, sour Jesus, you do like a shot of tequila and then bite into a lime. Umami Jesus, you get invited back to the rectory and oh boy, ooh, that's that that is that, that is not too savory. <laughs> Salty <laughs> Jesus say. is there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're kind of sticking with the Catholic thing here, and I think when I think of Southern Christianity, I do not think of Catholicism. I th- definitely think of like Southern Baptists, right? Yeah, the people who can't dance at their own wedding. That's who I think of. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher, uh, she was Southern Baptist, and she told me, it was in high school, she told me it was a big deal when she danced at her own wedding. I was like, it must have been a fun experience. I feel like I'm walking, I'm touching the elephant in the room of making fun of uh, religion, and I think I would like to um, walk back that a little bit, if I can. I don't I, know if I can, I don't know if I'm already so, canceled or not. I mean, I don't think we're going to get canceled. No, we're not that big yet. <laughs> no, we're, we're not, we're not important enough to get canceled. Now, we could get ratioed. I'm Honestly, I'll take the engagement, right? Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. When I was selling beer down in Georgia, we used to, uh, we, we always kept... went down to Georgia. Yeah, I, I was the devil I was in Georgia as far as some of We also sold root beer and, you know, oh. I, I had an interaction with a, cu- uh, well, not even a customer. He was absolutely not a customer. He was very, very vehement. Uh, uh, he, he was very clear about that fact. He was outside the shop and said, hey, come on in. You know, we got, he's like, I don't drink beer. I said, like, well, well, why are you here then? Well, he was outside the shop and I, yeah, I was talking to why? him. Now, the better question is, why was I there outside of the shop soliciting him to come in? That's because well, you were trying to make a sale. You're doing your job. I know, but it's, it's very intrusive. And I, I I put his immortal soul in jeopardy. You're like one of those guys in the mall that's trying to sell lotion. They'll just say, hey, man, try this lotion. You're hey, like, man, you want to get you want to get drunk with me in the devil in the back? Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> funny. I feel like you must have been in a part of Georgia where like you had to talk people into buying alcohol because of their morals, maybe. And some, I don't think we ever talked to anybody out of their, out of their religious belief. Oh, that's unfortunate. (laughs) So this guy, he's, he's like, I don't drink beer. And I said to him, I said to him, but wait, we have, we have root beer on tap. He said, I don't drink anything with beer in the name. Uh, (laughs) do you want some sassafras then? (laughs) That's not, that's not how that works. (laughs) How about, how about some cream soda? (laughs) So that that's one thing that kind of drove me nuts about being in the South. And the, the religious radio down there is fucking terrifying. 
There's a yeah. uh, there's the time a, stuff. They had a church in Murphy, North Carolina, that would broadcast its Sunday sermons, and it would be it was it, it was like the sort of thing that people in Hollywood would uh, put on vinyl for the scary scene when somebody's like exploring an old house in like a Louisiana horror film. Oh, I love those. Yeah, it's a preacher talking about you get saved by the blood. Dude, that was I, I think if this podcast thing doesn't work out, you could t- you know enough about it, uh, Christianity to exploit it. And you got the voice. So thank you. And, and then they <laughs> then they would cut to like off key chorus, a woman with a very high pitched voice. Like she sounds young. She sounds like she's like like a 12 year old singing, but it's slightly off key and warbling. Fucking terrifying when juxtaposed against the blood. <laughs> I, I guess it, it keeps you awake on a ro- long road trip, I guess. But yeah. Um, you they know, were definitely so cool. they were definitely worshiping bitter Jesus at that church. <laughs> they, they, they might have been. Well, actually, I don't know. What 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 does the blood taste like? I guess the blood would, by definition, be umami. They're definitely umami Jesus because they are eating the flesh of Christ and they're yeah, doing right. it in a way that I found very upsetting. But uh, there's only. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm, maybe I'm showing some ignorance, but that's only Catholicism. The 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 Eucharist and, and taking of communion, right? Uh, these guys are worried about the blood of Christ, so I assume like oh, they, they, okay. they sounded like they were chowing down on it. I got you. Well, that does sound terrifying, but I I have a Reddit question here that also seems a little scary, Ryan. If I may. I almost asked you for permission, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> well, consent's important, Matt, and I appreciate you taking my feelings and my wants into consideration. I consent to you reading the next Reddit question. Oh, nice. Well, I appreciate it. So Continuous Carnage asks, why doesn't the military use apes slash gorillas in warfare like dogs? Ryan, this is, this is exactly reaction. this is exactly the type of question I would expect from a user Continuous Carnage on the yeah. No Stupid Questions forum. Yeah, this I didn't mention that this is no stupid questions. So we already know it's I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't bring stupid questions into this. No, I mean, continuous carnage is basically an expert in the topic. So the fact that they're bringing this question tells me that one, it's not stupid. And two, it's of such an advanced level that they require expert assistance like us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I like to think that I am an expert in my mind's eye, which is why I started a podcast. But let's talk a little bit about the history of animals and warfare. So the earliest accounts of of animals and warfare that I was able to find by doing a cursory amount of research this week uh, was dogs fighting in battle in the early kingdom of Lydia in Asia Minor around 600 BC. Uh, Also, around the same time, Roman legions, they bred their own war dogs from an ancient mastiff-like breed as known as Molossor or M-O-L-L-O-S. I'm not exactly sure how to to pronounce that, but that's kind of the earliest of of use of dogs in warfare. Okay, but what about what about gorillas? Well, uh, you know, if we're we're talking about using zoo animals, right, for uh, for uh, for warfare, I feel like uh, Carthage, you know, they they developed their own use of war elephants during the first and second Punic Wars. There's also the the, the story of Hannibal. We all probably learned in uh, Uh Hannibal Lecter. I'm talking about the ancient history here. Not Hannibal Um, Burris. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. He should totally do that. Yeah. I'd just like to point out that this is not our first time dipping into the Punic Wars on this podcast. No, yeah, that's right. That is, yeah. We had feedback from Brad Hafford about episode number one, G.I. Snow, uh, which he talked about uh, some dick knuckle bringing a uh, fig into the uh, Roman Senate. (laughs) 
tell me more about like contemporary uses of animals in warfare. Yeah. In World War One, about 16 million animals served uh, on both on on all the sides of, of the first war. They were used for transport, communication, probably the, the most famous war bird. Um, that I can think of is maybe Cher Ami, which was a uh, a bird that was used by, I believe, the British, a carrier messenger pigeon. It was shot in the wing. It lost a foot, still delivered its message and like, wow. saved lives. So it's really interesting. You can actually see it at the Smithsonian here and it's stuffed, taxidermized. Uh, I'm like, I'm like pointing to it like the listener can see it. But it's, it's right down the road right down there. We should do that to all of our war heroes. Just taxidermize them yeah. tax yeah just just stuff them full of stuff them full of straw and and sew them up and put them on display it's like a it sounds like saw it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um no yeah so um horse and camels were mounted troops during world war one they were used in the desert campaigns throughout the war uh, and also on the western front for horses uh new weapons like machine guns made cavalry charges increasingly difficult especially for horses right so they it was, this is kind of you're seeing the uh getting shot made things difficult for the horse not for the people <laughs> not for the person riding it yeah yeah for sure. Getting shot at, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Then there's been a long proud uh, tradition of animals in warfare: dogs, cats, monkeys, bears, and lions uh, were kept as pets and mascots to raise morale uh, and to provide comfort amidst the the hardships of war. Fast forward to today, and the military uses dogs in search and rescue operations and detecting explosives. I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit. Um, military working dogs are found in every military branch, but I think before we get into why apes and gorillas is a bad use, bad military application, probably the coolest and best use of animals in military today is the United States Navy, and they train bottlenose dolphins. Okay. The Naval Warfare Information Center in the Pacific, they train bottlenose dolphins and California sea lions, not to be confused with seals, where they detect, locate, mark, and recover objects in harbors, coastal areas, and at depth in open sea. Both of these sea mammals are known for their trainability and adaptability in a wide range of environments. It's got to be the best job in the Navy. It's got to be the uh, best job in the Navy. Turning turning nature's beautiful, beautiful creation, some innocent animal into a weapon of war. That's the best job in the Navy, I think. They're kind of like support sailors, I guess, if you will. Um, I guess they're the pogues of the Navy world, right? Um, <laughs> um, but actually, I was just talking about this yesterday with a coworker who's a Marine, and he was stationed out in California, and they said the scout swimmers, they would train with the bottom of those dolphins, but they would use the dolphins as op four. So these guys would just come over and kick the shit out of them in sea. Like, uh, they'd be bruised. Some of them would, like, break bones legit. Like, these are like, these are like special operations Marines, right? So they're used to being treated like shit. <laughs> I feel like a dolphin, if it wants, it can totally kill you. What's really sad about that is that the Dolphins won. Well, they're losing because they're like in captivity, kind of right. So I don't know. You know, it depends. It depends what your, what your point of view is. I like to think um, that the Dolphins won the war exercise because they're just, you know, brains before brawn. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One last thing before we get into gorillas is in 2019, there were reports of a supposed Russian trained beluga whale that was found in waters near Norway. It was wearing a harness with mounts for a camera and marine biologists believed it was trained by the Russian military, which I don't know if marine biologists are qualified to make that determination, but I think it's I think it's kind of hilarious. Well, who is qualified to make that determination then, Matt? I would say the Norwegian intelligence community or like NATO and I don't know, Norway and NATO. I think they are. It's actually kind of crazy. I think what they did is they, they tracked the migration. They're like, oh, this is found in Russian waters. And so they kind of made that connection. Yeah. Right. So why don't we use gorillas in warfare? Well, I there is according to the History Channel. OK, and, and you're going to bear with ancient me. aliens, ancient. Yeah, aliens. this is the same network that brought you ancient aliens. So whenever I say History Channel, I put the word history in quotes and pawn stars, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they they have an entire special about uh, the Soviet 
effort to crossbreed humans and apes into super soldiers. Holy shit. So who is a poorer human who got to (laughs) actually be part of that? uh, She has a name. They attempted to inseminate her with basically monkey monkey jizz. Yeah, well, they're not monkeys. They're apes. Uh, I wanted to say monkey jizz because it sounds funnier than ape jizz. It sounds funnier. It's a funnier joke. It it might not be uh, biologically accurate, but it is a funnier joke. So monkeys have tails. Apes don't. There you go. Um, yeah. Also, there's there's seven great apes. Uh, humans are are apes. The greatest of apes. apes. Yeah, we're the we're the we're the best ape. If you ask me. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Um, I like orangutans, but gorillas. They are the most docile great ape. They look menacing, but it's all show, right? Uh, that's not to say that they don't have the strength to kill humans. They absolutely do. But I think this question harkens back to our kind of cultural understanding of gorillas. I think gorillas were once depicted as violent brutes uh, that would kill a human with a chance encounter. I don't think it's a coincidence that the monstrous giant ape King Kong is portrayed as a gorilla, right? So I think humans or Americans, I'm assuming this guy's an American, Westerners maybe, view gorillas as menacing just because they're huge and they absolutely look like they could crush your skull. I I would not want to fight a gorilla. Nope. I've seen videos of them fighting two year olds and I am currently losing a battle to a 10 month old. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can train them up for the gorilla fight. Who are these two year old kids that have to fight a gorilla? Jesus. Uh, some kid fell oh, into sweet, it. Salty, sour Jesus. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, so gorillas. Um, so this is, this is what is interesting. I'm kind of going to go off on a brief tangent here, if I may. In the 1970s, there's a primatologist by the name of Dean Fossey who really transformed gorillas' reputations of studies that found that they were hardly ever violent. Gorillas aren't really prone to violence. And when they are, they reserve that violence for other gorillas. They do not come around and mess with humans a whole lot. I don't care what the hit classic Congo tells you. Remember that video <laughs> or that movie, right? Yeah. It's horrible. Horrible. But David Attenborough was filmed with one of Fosse's gorillas in 1979. He was like playing with them, rolling around on the ground. You can find it on YouTube. It is it's fascinating. He's just like with these juvenile gorillas and they're like playing with them. So why wouldn't you want to use them in warfare? Because they're friendly. Right? They can be friendly to us. Right? Yeah. We, they're not totally violent. I don't I don't. And because of their menacing size and brute strength, I don't think that we could potentially train them And no military person. We both served in the army. No military person wants to share a Humvee or a helicopter with a 700 pound silverback gorilla. It's just logistics alone. Kind of like, honestly, I think probably one of the issues is that they're too smart. Yeah, well, pr- yeah, apes in general, uh, primates for sure. Yeah, they're they're too smart. And I don't mean that in the sense that I just in terms of trainability, like a chimpanzee is can get to roughly the equivalent of a of, of a three year old human. But the the idea of actually getting a three year old to fucking do anything useful other than talk and stack blocks is uh, it, it's really tough. Whereas I, I think a dumber animal or a less uh, that's not fair i'm sorry animals to all of our animal listeners out there i'd like to offer a formal apology for calling you you gorilla americans out there who no no not the gorillas the gorillas are so smart so smart okay okay all the animals that which primates are we talking shit about well i wasn't talking shit about primates i was talking shit about all the lesser animals in the in the probably mammalian order um i'd like to extend that that apology because we have been able to like dogs like you said get get used regularly i don't think a dog is as smart as a chimpanzee, but I think they're easier to control because of it. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the ability to control and train is is paramount, right? And we can control, or we can control, we can train apes to do all kinds of stuff, but I, you can't talk an ape into just like 
killing the human that you want to die. I think the issue there is that the dividing line between trainable and not trainable is the ability to hold an opinion. And I feel like apes can hold an opinion. So we talked about gorillas being the most docile ape. This is a really fun fact gorilla that I learned in the one biology class I took in college. I accidentally took a biology class for biology majors. It was like the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever a, did. That was a mistake. <laughs> it, and it was during it was during the summer. So it was a like condensed and it was short. So it was it was it was crazy. But this is the, the, the best fact I learned in that class is um, so gorillas live in groups, right? Where one dominant male silver, silverback controls and breeds with several uh, females. Uh, as such, they have the smallest genitals relative to their bodies than any other ape. So they may look huge and menacing, but they just have tiny dicks, right? So I, that alone <laughs> kind of makes it seem like they would be prone to violence in the military based on our experience that we've had, right? <laughs> Are you worried their Mustangs would be too powerful? <laughs> I think, yeah, right. They were, they were like, uh, they were like, I want the bigger gun. I, yeah, I want, they just want to, they're compensating. Um, so they're literally not cocky uh, and figuratively too. Um, no, that is the, the funniest are you, thing. Are you saying they don't have the balls for warfare? Or? So their, their, tes their, their testicles are tiny. And what my biologist uh, professor said was, when you are mating with a whole bunch of females, there's not a lot of competition. So biologically speaking, your body doesn't have to waste energy to make your dick and balls bigger. <laughs> By comparison, humans have the largest penis relative to their size than any other ape. So we're number one, suck at gorillas, suck at orangutans, or don't suck it if you can't find it, maybe. Anyway, you know, before we close out this this ape uh, discussion here, um, I do have an ape in mind that I think would be more prone to violence. And I think one that would be a better use in warfare. Can I'm you a, guess? I would say the Mago monkey. It's not, a, not an ape. It's not an ape. It's not. It's not an ape, but it's close. God, it's close. Yeah. Is there there was a there was an incident where a bunch of Mago monkeys that had been imported to France as pets had gotten loose oh, and there were shit. there were rampaging troops of these things moving through parks and attacking specifically men and going after their genitals because sexual competition. Wow. Well, that's very misinterest of them. I don't <laughs> think that's, that's very right. Um, how big are they? By like, uh, like big enough to rip your dick off. Oh, shit. So big, big, enough, big enough to matter, right? It's yeah. like about, about um, the size of a dog, I think. I would say that I think chimpanzees are the most deadly apes. I think that there's been studies they are prone to warfare in the wild um, and in captivity. They're really smart. And cannibalism. And cannibalism. Um, they are super strong, by the way. A 90-pound female chimp was recorded as pulling 700 pounds with one hand. These 90 are 90-pound ape. Wow. What's... That's a... That's pretty impressive CrossFit PR. I feel like, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, that's just to show their sheer force, how much they can exert with one arm, right? And it's a 90 pound female. So you have to imagine there are larger ones out there that can pull a thousand pounds, maybe. I don't know, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. The, the idea, like chimpanzee attacks are brutal and they're quick. And when they involve human beings, human beings lose. They rip um, people's faces off. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah. So anyway, if you have to use and chimpanzees, are, chimpanzees are a little smaller than gorillas. So you could, you know, drop them out of airplanes. You can have them on the ground, uh, have them in vehicles, have them be gunners. Right. Banana teach, guns. I don't know. Teach, teach them um, how to smoke cigars. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there was a uh, yeah, there, there was a I think it was a chimpanzee, too. It uh, they, they trained it to smoke marijuana. And it, it died, but it didn't die because of marijuana. It died because it was suffocating because it had to smoke so much. So that's kind of horrible. On that lovely note. <laughs> Who did that? 
It was it was like uh, back in the fifties, United States. I think. Oh, okay. It is. Yeah, never yeah. mind. It was it, it was the it was the scientific community in the nineteen fifties. We were shooting turtles to the moon and shit. So the name of the Russian scientist that ran the interspecies artificial insemination breeding program was a guy oh, named Ilya Ivanovich Ivanovov. Uh, Ilya Ivanovich Ivanov. Ilya Ivanovich Ivanov. Like okay. He's got Ivan in his name twice. <laughs> that's how Russian this dude is. <laughs> yeah, that's how menacing this guy is. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I just real cursory. I did not. I didn't find the the name of the woman who was actually inseminated by him. But he tried to do it both ways. He tried to inseminate uh, apes, chimpanzees with human de- uh, with human semen. He tried to uh, impregnate a human woman with. Uh, chimpanzee semen. Oh my god! It's, How do you get the chimpanzee semen? Who has that job? I feel like it could be just a one-stop service. Like, hey, go jerk off that ape, collect it in a cup. We'll be right back. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, though, well, what from what I understand, though, like even even like chimpanzees and bonobos, when they have sex, it's a very brief act. Like they come immediately. Oh, nice. So I I imagine jerking (laughs) off a monkey is not hard. You just like you could probably sneak up on it. Just squeeze one out real quick and run. (laughs) Um, So all I I know is that's the fastest way. Like it only takes three seconds to be in a committed relationship with a with a great ape. I feel like, you know, um, not too doesn't sound too great to me, if you ask me. (laughs) But I think that's that's apes and warfare. I think there's a a lot of reasons why we don't do it. But I kind of want to transition now to using animals in another government function, but not warfare, and that's diplomacy. Oh, as oh, you you mentioned before that you wanted to do a callback to uh, a previous episode. Is this is that what this is? That that is what this is. You kind of scooped me on that, but um, I didn't, but definitely I didn't, no. I didn't scoop you. You scooped yourself by telling me. I oh yeah, you're right. I, I that, you know I'm usually pretty good at not telling you the things that I don't want you to say, but I screwed up this one time. So yeah, no, I think um so previously on don't wreck yourself. I kind of threw a fact out there that China controls 100 percent of the panda population in the world and they use it for diplomacy. I learned this a few years ago and I happened to look into the details and it is wild. So I wanted to kind of fact check myself and to kind of present uh, China's great panda diplomacy. All right. So, yeah, you and I were actually, you know, we've we've referenced our zoo trip before, but we actually saw the pandas at the Washington, D.C. National Zoo. It's actually the Washington, D.C. Zoo is actually a Smithsonian as well. And let let me just say um, that zoo is phenomenal. A lot of zoos are kind of like they do unsavory things or they don't, you know, they're capitalistic. um, I promise you all the animals at the National Zoo are perfectly savory. Uh, (laughs) that's funny no yeah um umami Umami jesus wouldn't have it any other way that's the way he made them oh god oh god um (laughs) yeah it's funny Uh, (laughs) no but um i think you know they they save species they have breeding programs they 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 bring more um cheetahs into the into the world so i think they're they're a net good please visit the zoo and it's free because it's a smithsonian when you come to town uh pandas they're cute cuddly round black and white animals of course almost all of the pandas are owned by china they control pretty much every single existing panda. And they're China's legal property, uh, and they're loaned out to various countries. And, and why, why why are they doing that? I mean, I, I have my suspicions, but I have a feeling that you you have notes on this, and I don't want my, my suspicions to trump your notes, Matt. Oh, well, the, your suspicions could never trump my notes, my friend. So China has been using pandas to trade with nations 
for, for centuries, right? But modern panda diplomacy really began in the 1950s. But this really began for the United States in 1972 when President Richard Nixon visited China, which was a first for a sitting U.S. president. He effectively began uh, modern U.S.-Chinese relations, right? So even, even prior to the communist regime, no U.S. president had been to China, which I, I mean, I fully believe. I... I n- I've, modern China, I think. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know that uh, President Nixon was the first modern president to go to what is today the the, C- the the People's Republic of China. When he showed up, China gave Nixon two pandas, Ling Ling, and I think it's Xing Xing. It's a H-S-I-N-G. In exchange, Nixon gifted two mux oxen to the Chinese, so they're exchanging animals here. Yeah, that doesn't so, sound like a fair exchange at all. Musk, like, let's be real. Pandas, dope. Musk oxen. Kind of boring, right? Interesting. We apologize to all the musks and Americans out there who are listening to this. <laughs> no, um, like if, if I were going to choose a, a distinctly American animal to send abroad to represent our country. I uh, have one. I have one of mine. I, I would I would send a moose. And that might just be the main oh, me talking. Okay. That might just yeah, be the main yeah, me talking. Definitely. But the moose has actually played an important role in American diplomacy because there was a narrative in that the continent of America made you smaller and weaker. Uh, because we didn't have any megafauna or anything like that. And that played into the idea that Europeans were superior and anybody who moved to America and spent time here were inferior. And so you yeah. could have that the justification of that hierarchy. Well, Thomas Jefferson's like, fuck that. We've got moose. And so like he was sending <laughs> moose funny. like he was sending moose to Europe to convince them of the folly of their anti-American prejudice. Wow. That, that, that is a that's a good moose fact for you. That, that kind of. But these two pandas that Nixon got, they lived in the Smithsonian Zoo here in town. Uh, Ling Ling died in 1992 from heart failure. Uh, at the time, she was the longest-lived giant panda in captivity outside of China. So the zoo here knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, Xing was a surpa- surpassed her and died at the age of 28 due to kidney failure in 1999. The next year, uh, China gave two pandas from the Wolong Research and Conservation Center uh, arrived. So they really do make sure that we ha- we are stocked with pandas. A few years ago in town, a panda gave birth. It was here for like 15 months or something like that. And then they, they fly him back all the way to China because China controls is their legal property. They, 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 they're they like, yeah, you can you can birth a, a panda, but we're going to get that eventually. It, it, it is wild. It is yeah. wild. So between 1957 and 1983, 24 pandas were gifted to nine nations as gestures of friendships. Uh, Soviet Union, the uh, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, um, um, United States of America and the United Kingdom. Um, it's actually kind of wild, right? And more recently, they give they loan pandas to nations that they want good relations with, or they reward nations uh, with pandas. The, one of the best examples of this is in 2018, uh, Finland agreed to care for two giant pandas following their endorsement of the One China policy. Is, like Taiwan. Yeah, and the, Taiwan. The One China policy, of course, is Taiwan and uh, the mainland China being one unified China. Uh, in 2011, the Edinburgh Zoo spent $107,000 per year in bamboo alone. So they eat a shit ton. So it's actually, they're, they're loan pandas, but then they have to pay for the upkeep, which is a whole nother ball of wax. It's, it's a great way to recycle your cheap furniture. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's panda diplomacy. Totally real, totally interesting. I knew that you were uh, planning on talking about animals today. So I actually found a Reddit question that's an animal topic also. Ooh, let's get into it. I know. This is also from everybody's favorite subreddit, No Stupid Questions, a place where ignorance is not defined at all. This is from user NobodyMoveNGH. Is there any way to show cows that you're friendly? Um, yes. 
Absolutely. I think, first of all, you can just tell them, right? <laughs> hey, Mr. Cow, uh, I, I really think you're a friend. So they go on to clarify, whenever I'm in a field with some cows, they always get terrified and run away if anyone goes anywhere near them. I feel bad for them. Is there anything I can do to seem less scary to them? All right. Well, first of all, did the cows tell you that? How did how does he know that cows are afraid? They just uh, they, run away from them. Well, they they run away. So, that, I mean, so the, the user appears to not own the cows. It sounds like they're just going into farmer's fields with as like, like I imagine like teenagers going out to a farmer's field to, I don't know, do satanic rituals or whatever it is that kids do out in fields. No, there's one reason kids go to fields in cow fields, and that's to find psychedelic mushrooms that grow in their shit. <laughs> uh, let's assume for a moment that they're not committing a trespassing crime. They're not molesting cows. You know, well, they're not there to hassle them. No, yeah, there to hassle them they're not there to hassle the cows. Uh, so, how do you approach and meet new cows? And is there an app for that? <laughs> I, I, I hope to God there is. If there's not, we're going to make one. All right, make one All right now. Uh, name, name your app. I'll start. I'll start. How about Utter? No E. I was just going to say Utter, but I was going to say U-D-D-R because they knock off the, uh-huh. the they, last no vowel. E. No E. Utter. Oh, well, OK, well, that one can be yours. How about Butter? B-U-D-D-R. <laughs> butter. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. How about how about OK Bovine? Oh, that's good. OK Bovine, like OK Cupid. Uh huh. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What about um? Uh, I pepper? just pepper. I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like this might just be a, a, a toggle switch on on OnlyFarmers.com. Oh shit! <laughs> OnlyFarmers. I had no idea about that until Elise told me, who grew up in Appalachia, and I was like, this can't be real. It totally is real. It's it, it's crazy. It's a great place to meet people who know how to do things. Where's all the yeah, like fish. Yeah, if you're looking if you're looking for your for your like apocalypse survival prepper partner, like going to the prepper websites, uh, you're going to you're going to find some crazies. But if you go to only farmers, you're going to find somebody who knows how to grow food, knows how to handle animals. They're going to have all those survival skills that will be crucial after our government collapses and and they'll have uh, a school bus filled with goats because preppers always have that shit for some reason. I have no. Well, idea. that's just it. This isn't a prepper. It's a farmer. But the farmer. Okay. But the farmer can the, the farmer has the skills that the that the prepper is seeking to acquire through years of, uh, I don't know, dark web research. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, well, I mean, so can you tell cows how friendly you are? I think there is there is a way to express that you're non-threatening to a cow. Yeah, actually, I, I found a website run by the New Zealand government. New Zealand, where the men are men and the sheep are afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but not the cows, because they've all gone. They've all gone to a website called WorkSafe. Oh. And WorkSafe actually lays out a couple things. One, they say anyone working with cattle must be appropriately trained and experienced for the task. It does not sound like our Reddit user falls into that category. The one, one thing that they point out is that when you don't have experience to assess the risk, it's that it, that's when you're at most at risk. So this person is actually putting themselves in danger by placing themselves in a pasture with animals that are, although domesticated, yeah. may not be socialized. And, and specifically, they do not recognize those people intruding on their space. No, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. We all know that's that yeah, that's exactly that's there's a reason that saying exists because yeah, they yeah. will give you the horns. Uh, so they recommend keeping cattle yards tidy and well-maintained. Plan an escape route in advance when working with cattle in the yards. Anyone with mobility issues are at further risk, especially people over the age of 65. So Sam Elliott, if you're out there listening, I'm not uh, you've got to be you've got to be on the edge because you've looked exactly the same for the last 40 years. So (laughs) I assume that you're 65 by now. Please. 
please exercise caution. He's drinking the same thing Paul Rudd's doing. <laughs> no, uh, but um, I yeah. So it, it's a young man's game. Yeah, with cats, it's a, it's a young man's game. And by saying always wash and dry your hands after working with cattle, that's just good hygiene. Yeah. So no, for sure. Fortunately, we know what makes cattle happy or mad. So here's 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 some things that upset that upset cows uh, being hungry or thirsty, loud noises like dogs barking, shouting, motorbikes revving or I don't know, a group of teenagers chanting satanic rituals in your pasture. Yeah, they don't like being hit. They don't like electric prodders. They don't like painful, new or strange objects. They don't enjoy being chased. And then people in their personal space, especially around the head. OK, that makes sense. These are all very reasonable things like just don't 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 touch them. Don't bother them. Leave them alone. I think that is the uh, is the overwhelming message. But we also know that things that calm cattle down, uh, working with them in a quiet and confident way, familiarity and familiar people. They don't like strangers. Gentle, low rhythmic sounds, talking quietly, stroking and most of all, silence. Where did you get this cow whisper information from? This is great. This is the New Zealand government. Wow. What? Everything Man. is better in New Zealand. Yeah. The Big Macs are cheaper. The <laughs> the well, the, it's, um, it's because New Zealand actually has a thriving cattle industry. And that's yeah, part, that's part it of it. Yeah. It's like the one thing they export. That's one. That's one of the reasons why their high minimum wage doesn't affect the price of burgers. Exactly. Exactly. In order for us to pay for all the Big Macs that we consume, Matt and I have taken on a mission to find products and services to advertise on this podcast in order to monetize. Sure. Maybe someday. Well, we, we, so far we've talked about it and that's, that's about well, I, I think now it's time. It's we really need to start taking a serious look. So a podcast that you should check out is the horrors in room six. The Whores in Room 6 is a podcast with two single and childless women where they rehash crazy travel adventures, life whoopsie moments, and hear stories from fascinating characters. Listen in every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts for hilarious interviews, travel tips, and stories of the weird shit that happens when you take on the world with a say-yes-to-anything-but-heroin attitude. They may be a little behind in societal expectations, but they're killing it elsewhere. It's a great podcast. You should listen to it after you listen to ours. You should also patronize our good friend Rick Reynolds, who has provided us our theme music. The song is United from the album Portals in Progress. Thanks, Rick. You can find his music on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. That's also where you can find us. Oh, what a coincidence. What a, th- th- That's a hell of a partnership we've worked out. We are also Wreck Your Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, so please like and join both. And if between now and next week you find yourself staring at some crazy animal fact that you didn't think was possible and you're wondering whether or not you should share that piece of information, we encourage you. We encourage you to email us at wreckyourpod at gmail.com and also not to wreck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to squeeze I was trying to squeeze that in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We encourage you to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart and it won't change.